Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Merchin. Matt, do you know what time it is? It's Armageddon time, baby. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Today we are talking, and this movie, not maybe that kind of energy, but hey, well, I'll, I'll, I'll buy into it. Uh, today we are reviewing James Gray's Armageddon Time, starring Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, Banks Rapita, Jalen Webb, and Anthony Hopkins, and more. Um, Eric, how are you? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. You know, we're we're on our third review uh, of the day. Obviously, you know, this how is dare more you inside, show the inside side baseball <laughs> kind of thing? You know, we've been dealing with some uh, snafus in terms of uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff. But I think I'm trying overall- out new tech, guys. I'm trying out Apple released their new update, Ventura, uh, not based on Ace Ventura. <laughs> Uh, uh, their new Mac OS where you can use, I mean, hot tip for any people who make podcasts or videos and stuff. You said hot tip, right? Um, yeah, not a, (laughs) okay. And then, um, you can use your iPhone now it's called continuity camera and your, your computer will automatically detect your iPhone and use it as your webcam or your camera. It's awesome, but we're working out some kinks. So bear with us. If I freeze at any moment, um, Blame it on Apple. <laughs> That's fair. That's Armageddon fair. time. Yes. Um, Eric, uh, we've talked a lot, even as recently as the other review we did today. Um, which about is after this, Sun. Which is After Sun, which you guys can probably, yeah, you guys can check out now uh, by the time this releases. Um, this kind of trend or this theme we're seeing a lot in director's uh, lately over the last, you know, maybe five or so years, um, you have a pillow right behind you, which is maybe not the thing that kicked off this trend, but could have been, uh, of directors looking back on their childhood or a moment in their life and doing kind of an autobiographical sort of, or inspired by their childhood type movies so we saw that with roma we've seen it as recently as the fablemans uh, which isn't out yet but we do have a review for it from tiff um after sun has elements of that um god we can list off more what else lately has done uh you know uh uh, uh kenneth brana did it with uh belfast uh, minari minari there's ladybird like, it, yeah, so we're, it, it is definitely something which I which I totally understand of of you know writing what you know having it be personal, um, but this this might have been uh, a, the thing that that broke me a bit on this trend where it's not a bad movie at all. I like James Gray, I think the movie's fine, but I'm starting to get fatigued a little bit with this kind of like not self-serious but like self-important kind of i need to tell you why my my upbringing and my family um you know deserves it's so to be cinematic yeah it, it yeah it's a, a feature length yeah film. yeah 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 i i don't disagree with you i mean like it, it and i think it's not necessarily again the film's fault i just think it's no the trend and and not to say that like every filmmaker is like oh well because alfonso Cuaron directed you know this amazing movie 
I've got to now tell my story. Like the the autobiography, superhero fatigue's real too. Yeah, the autobiography, the autofiction, semi-autobiographical movie is nothing new. It's been something that has been done, you know, time and time again. But it's just more recently, it's been more concentrated, and it's like, okay, well, you're taking this from a point in your in your life where you felt this was, you know. pivotal to you growing up or a moment that defined you as a person and would change you kind of your trajectory and where you were going and who you became. Um, and, and that is, that can be cinematic and that can be, you know, very, um, didactic in telling you who the filmmaker is or who we are, literally who, just covered this in after sun yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And, 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 and I mean, even with the Fableman's review, you know, like yeah. that, that's a thing where, you know, you look at it, you can, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it as something being very earnest and personal and, and conveying that and and connecting with the audience in a universal way. And then you can also look at it as a vanity project or something that's very egotistical and narcissistic and self-indulgent. And, you know, like, again, there are great autobiographies that are out there and, and, and features, you know, like he, James Gray is not the only one to do this. It's just, he's, he's coming at a point where we've gotten a lot of them. So I can understand why, you know, some people will probably maybe feel a little bit kind of, um, burnt out or or, yeah, yeah, kind of just kind of feeling like you're at your, your, your end a little bit with that. But I will say, I quite like the movie, uh, and and I think on an emotional level, it hit me, and we'll get into why, yeah. to the point where I literally was in tears during the screening. Which you don't see very often from Eric Marchin. I, I, I say this, I don't know how much I've talked about it on these shows, but I see a lot of movies with you. We basically see every movie together, other than if we need to play catch up in our respective cities. Um, it You never... I don't want to say you're like robotic when you watch a movie, but like no, you you said stoic before. Stoic, where you're like, I have a good poker face. You do. You just, I never know basically how you feel about a movie until I talk to you after. Where I'm a little bit more animated when I watch a movie. I'm not one of those person that like will make it about me where I'm like the loudest laugh in the room or like, or, or something like that. But if you're sitting right beside me, you can kind of feel how I feel. About oh movie. yeah. Um, <laughs> where Eric, Eric just, I'll see, I'll hear you laugh. If some, I know a movie really gets you. If I hear an audible Eric laugh, because most of the time you have this like internal laughter where you like know something's funny and you're probably like laughing to yourself, but it's not like this hearty, kind of laugh and that goes for many emotions in a movie and yes. i mean i've cried in movies where you don't know that i teared up and things like that too where that's a little easier to hide this one for you not as easy to hide but like yeah. i know a movie's hitting you when i audibly can tell how you feel about it because it's just you're you're very professional and very and when i say stoic i mean it more in a professional sense of like you were there to watch the movie and you know put your thoughts into words, whether it's your review for Rogers or, or your review for here or how you speak about it to other people where I'm very much in the moment <laughs> of like how I feel about the movie is how I feel about the movie in that moment. And you can either tell that I fucking hate it or that I'm enjoying it or that I'm just bored or, or anything like that. And in this movie, I was somewhere in the middle and we'll get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of why it hit you so hard and maybe why I was kind of 
mixed on it, but I'm mixed positive. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. I still, I still enjoyed the movie uh, a, a fair amount. I didn't dislike my time with it. I just think, yeah, it's maybe not the movie's fault. Although like partly if the movie was great, I would think the movie was great, but like, because I think it was just okay to me, that other stuff crept in a little bit more where I'm like, all right, did this need to be like, I get the stuff with his grandfather, which you'll get into. Like, I get that it's very personal, but like, I, I, I did let that creep in a little bit afterwards where I'm like, I like the movie, but I'm starting to go, okay, guys, like, is this, is this something that really need to be told on film or is this something that you could have and james gray has put into his other films right like i've gotten some of that in in ad astra i've gotten a lot of you know in the immigrant and like things like that where i i feel like yeah we'll get into it but anyways well where do you yeah, want to start and just quickly going back to like us knowing each other so well like yeah. i still always use the reference point of when we were watching uh edward norton's motherless brooklyn and you oh, were fuck. i think like five rows down uh, away from me at wit's end <laughs> and i literally looked at you at one point because you were in my eye line and i saw you kind of hunched over like that if this you're watching like, this on youtube and i knew YouTube, I, I knew like i was like Matt hates this. <laughs> if I'm sitting like this, you probably can't hear me. But if I'm sitting like this in a movie, and sometimes I'm enjoying it if I'm lying like that or like sitting like that. But most of the time, I'm like, fuck, I need to leave. And in that movie during TIFF especially, because this movie we didn't see. We saw it after. It didn't play TIFF. But, no, um, it played the New York Film Festival, and it also played Cannes before that. Something like Motherless Brooklyn is like pro we saw it like three quarters of the way through the festival and I'm at movie 22 at that point and I'm like I can't do it anymore <laughs> Where like, sorry Ed um uh, but yeah you can definitely tell um that this is just if you want a little bit more about Eric or I but in this movie I could audibly hear Eric reacting to the movie so we'll get to why um but Eric where, where do you want to kick it off yeah I think I, just kind of the the general plot. we're 10 minutes in and we're like <laughs> Where do you want to kick it off? <laughs> the general plot of this movie is it's from the point of view of Paul Graff, who is the James Gray surrogate, uh, a sixth grader growing up in Queens, New York in 1980 and sort of dealing with not only coming of age, but figuring out what he wants to do in life and where he's going and kind of feeling a little bit directionless and unmotivated and you know, he finds a, a, a new friendship uh, with with Johnny, um, who has been held back a year. Uh, you know, Paul is played by Banks uh, Rapetta, uh, and um, Johnny is played by Jalen Webb. And you know, whether or not you're into the performances by the child actors, I think that will be a make or break, especially with Banks uh, Rapetta. Um, but what I loved about the film, and I think what I what works, is the era in which it's set feels so sincere to what James Gray grew up in and also looking at the idea of you know, capitalism and white privilege and also reflecting on the sense of, you know, where do you fall into that? And this at times does feel almost like James Gray's admission of guilt and being, you know, able to capitalize on his 
place of privilege, but it's also looking at the identity of the Jewish American family at this moment and sort of, you know, blue collar working class family um, trying to do the best they can. They have one son who is in private school while uh, Paul is in public school and trying to, again, he's a bit of a Joker class clown type. The biggest kind of most emotional arc of the film and the thing that got me is Paul's relationship to his grandfather, played by Anthony Hopkins, um, who is a European Jewish man who tells his story of how his mother came from the Ukraine to America um, or Europe and then to America. And I think that's why I'm ultimately going to give this movie a really strong review is or, or a positive review because I felt that that relationship was so genuine and, and authentic in how, you know, you, you have a family dynamic that is kind of not dysfunctional, but there are moments where, you know, you see the parents played by Anne Hathaway and uh, Jeremy Strong not being able to kind of really get through to Paul and the one person that does and the, the, the person that's kind of, you know, the, the intermediate in, in this situation is the grandfather and the grandfather is the one that is kind of like, you know, your, your best friend also and your advisor and the person you look up to and also spoils you and watching that. And, and because Anthony Hawkins, you know, in real life is also Welsh, my, my own grandfather who right now, um, you know, is, was diagnosed with bone cancer, um, uh, is British. And there's just moments that felt so close to what, I'm going yeah. through right now in terms of what the family goes through and in, 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 in that storyline that while watching it and just the way, I mean, Anthony Hopkins is a great actor, but the <laughs> and way, he's great in the movie. Yes. But the way that he, you know, he is with, with, with Paul, with, with, with Banks, uh, Repetta, it, you, it just, it, it just hit me. And there's one mm -hmm. moment in particular that, comes later and i don't want to spoil anything because i don't know what is spoiler for something like this yeah what is or isn't but there's just one moment that kind of felt almost too close to home and too personal and it like it just it it, it my 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 defenses were down and like james dude, and that, got me and that's and that's great dude like that's really like and and we talk about this is a separate conversation, but film criticism. I mean, there's been conversations and in, in just criticism in general where, you know, how can you objectively approach, you know, a movie? But like, to me, I, I throw that out the window and, and call bullshit. And I say that it's all subjective. And like, if a personal experience you bring into how it affected you in the film, and I'm like, that's personal to you. And that's going to be personal to many other people who watch this movie that will connect with that same element you connect with. So I'm like, and just because if your defenses were down or, it got, or you saw it at the right time, like you bring something personal in every movie you watch, I think. Like sometimes you see movies at the right place or the right time, and it affects kind of how you feel about a movie and i feel like that's totally valid especially even in as film critics and i think because that's how audiences experience movies right like if something happened to you and you happen to see a movie at the exact right time but you would have maybe felt different about it 
if you saw it months ago or years ago. And it's even something we talked about in our After Sun review too, of like looking back at, at things. And there are movies I've watched that, you know, as I got older, I, I view them completely different than when I saw them when I was younger or maybe vice versa. And like, I feel like that is part of the movie going experience. And I feel like that is okay to bring into a review, right? Like if you, if you see the movie at the right place, the right time, and it affected you personally like that, like, I think that is to the movie's credit and it's not just, well, I'm bringing myself into that. So I'm giving it a little bit of, you know, leeway or, or, or rating it on a curve because of that kind of stuff where I, I, I call bullshit on all of that. And I just feel like that is, you know, part of it. And then that is part of being, you know, a film critic and talking about movies for a living. Like you do bring yourself into it. Like I know there are some people who review movies from a, you know, what's on screen, what I learned in film school, what a textbook tells me about like how a good movie is made and, and things like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's to me, it's all subjective. And a lot of that you can bring into this movie. So however you felt because of you connected with the relationship between the kid and, and the grandfather in that movie, I'm like, that means the movie fucking was good for you. And I think that's great, man. And like, I, I'm with you with a lot. I think the best stuff in the movie and sorry, because we had to cut and stuff. I I, I don't know what we've already kind of covered already. I'm already losing it, but like um, the relationship between, you know, uh, uh, Paul and his grandfather, um, Anthony Hopkins, um, Aaron um, is the best stuff in the movie and the stuff I connected with the most as well. Maybe not on because it, you know, my grandparents um, have already passed and, and, you know, I'm, four years removed, three, four years removed from some of it. Even, I mean, both my grandparents on my dad's side passed during the pandemic. So I'm only a couple years removed from that, but I also didn't have the same relationship with my grandparents as you did, Eric. Like I was a little bit more removed. My, I've talked about this on other shows. Like my dad has seven brothers and sisters. So like, I'm not like had that one-on-one relationship with my grandparents on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, I was very close with my Opa when he had a shoe store and it reminded me of Paul's grandfather here of like when I used to go to my Opa's shoe store and, and hang out with him and stuff too. And that stuff is really, really great in the movie. Yeah. And I think the best stuff, um, where it lost me, you already kind of brought up like, um, uh, Banks Repetta's performance, um, was grading, uh, for me. And I think that is going to be that, that, thing that is whether you're in on this movie or not i found him kind of uh you know and child actors like i'm not trying to you know obviously shit on him or anything but like it it just really didn't work for me like his you know his performance just felt like a kid reading lines more so than a genuine authentic lived in believable performance again i keep keep bringing up after sun i think it's because we just talked about it but the naturalistic dialogue and and performances in that movie just work so much better for me and feel so much more believable where you know seeing jeremy strong with his you know wig and his his accent and his ray romano diet ray romano kind of performance kind of thing is just like uh or that's how he looks he's not necessarily acting like that but like and you know it was a lot. I think Anne Hathaway was actually more restrained than than we thought she was going to be in this. But I think Anne Hathaway's great in this. Like yeah. the more I think about her performance, and like I think she gets unfairly picked on um, mm-hmm. by people on the internet, by press, public, what whatever you want to say. But there's something very 
sincere and honest and 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 earnest about her as an actor and i feel like this is a role like i mean she's been great in like obviously like jonathan demi's rachel getting married she's incredible in that um here it just feels like it's a role that she's never had the chance to play in a way that's not just simply you know the concerned mom like there's there's more to that role than i think if it was written by somebody else or it was more of a kind of adaptation of a book or something like that, that it would, it wouldn't have the same depth. And I feel part of that comes from, again, being part of Gray's perspective and coming from his own childhood, but also the way in which Hathaway kind of has to be the one to be the referee between, um, uh, Repetta and and strong in in certain scenes and and you know again that that age group or that generation that kind of grew up where parents were tougher on their kids and sort of that kind of having a bit of a a, a cyclical repeating a, a, a cycle to that and then on on top of all that like the stuff in the background like it again is telling you that you know in the last decade or so with you know uh the the trump administration and sort of uh what's being discovered under you know the rocks and people coming out of the woodwork that are you know neo-nazis and and, racists and and... yeah and and all that stuff maybe that wasn't just recently and like you know the the framing of you know uh ronald reagan uh running for for president and and reaganomics and that era kind of just beginning and you know if you're caught with weed you could go to jail for years and the the war on drugs and and again the nancy reagan stuff that kind of came in in the late 80s where like it all feels like it is foreshadowing uh what is to come but also saying like okay well this was always a part of the fabric of america and especially yeah. a place like new york that is considered so liberal compared yeah. to most other cosmopolitans or cities you know in the u.s and thinking about also again the trumps and how they kind of factor into this movie especially in a in a private school scenario and and how you know, opportunity is given to those that are from a certain class um, and, and a certain ethnicity and, you know, how certain people will have a leg up in life and how it's unfair, but people will still take advantage of that. And it does feel like Gray is feeling guilt for his part in his opportunities that were given to him that might not have been given to other people. And we see that in the relationship between uh, Johnny and Paul. Um, And I think that that stuff also is really strong. And I think uh, Jalen Webb is quite good as as Johnny. And they're both kind of like the class Mm. clown types and and what have you. But there is this almost like Jonathan Litham talking about motherless Brooklyn, Jonathan Litham fortress of solitude style arc with those characters. And, Again, Paul wanting to be an artist, but not really sure what avenue to explore there and figuring that out. I think there's a lot worth recommending in in, in all of that. I don't know if it comes together as well as something like Ad Astra, which also had a really captivating and poignant 
perspective on the father-son relationship and the distance between a father and a son, especially yeah. one that's trying to emulate the father to some degree as well. But, you know, the reputation kind of haunts the son. Um, James Gray is one of those guys who I think is a very good filmmaker and an even better um, public speaker. And he's one of those, those people that you could listen to have a conversation on the state of media, on the state of film, on movies in general, and you can become so engaged with what he's saying. And a lot of what he's saying makes perfect sense. And he, he has a really level kind of perspective. I think sometimes his movies you know, the, my two favorite films of his are Ad Astra and Two Lovers, the Joaquin Phoenix, Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Um, but a lot of his other movies, there are moments within those films. Like, I think the look of The Lost City of, of Z and some of the storytelling about whether or not anthropology, you should kind of intervene and and and, and try to, you know, bring uh, a, a world that doesn't want to be a part of of modern society into the into the light or something as as kind of more commercial as we we own the night which you know kind of was coming off the the heels of the success of something like the departed which also you know both movies had mark Wahlberg in it and and Wahlberg's an actor that's been in in several of uh, uh james gray's movies with with the yards as well um but there's just something about his films that don't always resonate in that yeah, way. i agree even, even though i think he is a really good filmmaker armageddon times one of those movies where it's like i think it works on an emotional level i think it works partly on a didactic level talking about sort of that social commentary or the reflection of how you know things weren't great back then even though like it's not it's not sentimental like this is this is the one thing no. that i do really like about this movie is that it is not sort of looking back and saying like oh that was that was when it was good to grow yeah. up. Yeah, New York was great back then. Yeah, no, it still <laughs> um, had Trumps in it in 1980. Yeah, so it sure did. Um, I like the look of New York in the movie. It's something we always talk about when I see New York depicted in in this time period or even up into the early 90s. Of well, like, shot by Darius the, Kanji, um, yeah, who shot uh, David Fincher's uh, Seven, Michael Haneke's Amour, yeah, um, uh, Uncut Gems. Oh he's right, not, he's he's such. Uh, He's one of those cinematographers that, I mean, he started in commercials, but um, one of the most underrated uh, guys working today. It looks great. I mean, I, again, I love the look of New York. I love the look of the movie. Uh, I don't like the title treatment, but I get it. <laughs> um, oh, that's, yeah, just yeah, such yeah, a, yeah. that's just a small kind of thing. But the dirtiness um, and like yeah. the, the, the period in which this takes place, like that's something as well that's not nostalgic where it's like it's showing you like New York was a, sh- a shithole, you know? <laughs> it, it, it was at, ugly in and places, gross. yeah. Yeah, but it also had character, and it still yeah. does. You know, we've talked about this while when we were in New York for for the White Noise press junket, where like you walk down the street in New York, you know, there are areas that are are beautiful, but then there is a lot of areas that are kind of like this, the the streets are filled with garbage and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's much better than it was in 1980 or, or in the late 70s. But there's something there's a charm weird. to it, like a weird charm to it. Yeah, yeah I know. And it's I agree. a time capsule too of of that period in the 70s and 80s where now people do kind of look fondly back at like oh Times Square was once a place where you could get killed (laughs) and now it's like one of the The most iconic tourist attractions or or locations ever yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah other than that like I, I 
I, I agree with you with Anne Hathaway. Like I, I, I do feel like she's she's actually it could have gone that other way. That is like something we talked about. I know we keep bringing up other movies that are similar, but in Fablemans with Michelle Williams being like a little overacting. Well, it's stylized, like right? It like is. The performance yeah. is very stylized for the time period, but also in which that character's generation totally right um and hathaway i doesn't doesn't fall into that trap here and obviously trying to do very different things right two very different mothers Both, um uh, broke back mountain uh yeah, as well there you go um jeremy strong a guy that i love in succession um and i think we're kind of on the same page where i think you liked him a little bit more in this than i did but he's got some good moments again with the grandfather stuff that i think yeah. really works but i understand where you're coming from where it is a caricature to a certain he's degree. the one playing dress up or cost like a yeah. costume like play or something where i'm like all right maybe jeremy strong a little too much in this but um and again, with with Banks Repetta's performance, it was just like uh, I it couldn't buy into it. It was just grating. And I know the character is supposed to be a little annoying. And, uh, you know, he's a kid, right? Like, he's just yeah. but I, I but just the fear of his father, I think, does work like the idea of 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 Jeremy Strong's character being volatile and, you know, borderline abusive mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, parenting was at that point. Because again, you it's 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 hard to completely judge, you know, the way that someone was brought up because it was a, a different time. time. But when you yeah. watch it, it's like, okay, yeah, this truly was child. Well, when you're watching it you know. in 2022, for sure. But then we talked about how you know nuns used to treat kids at Catholic schools, well, even teachers, like that. right? Yeah, teachers and stuff. Even in this, right? Of of, I'm not sure how kids are treated in in school nowadays. But like, and you know, some of that stuff. What you said about. Um, how Johnny's treated in his class compared to Paul, even though they're doing similar things and, and, and stuff like that. And the, and the racism that, uh, you know, Johnny sees and the antisemitism that, you know, uh, Paul sees in, in his school too, where he's not like, just well, in the private school as well. Yeah, right. Right. And then uh, the stuff with the Trumps and, and what you're saying about, you know, how it's reflecting, you know, present day, both pol- political and just from a cultural standpoint, like I think it's a bit like, I don't know, obvious or on the nose, which it just heavy-handed. like, yeah, a little heavy handed, but like, it's fine. Again, I, I, I watched the movie and I didn't, uh, again, it's another one of those movies that I think like, I, I it's fine. I, I'll never really think of it again. And I know I give that criticism probably too often, but, um, middle of the road stuff for me, um, is just, it's hard to talk about one and two. I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I'm just so over these kinds of movies so it just didn't resonate with me as much as i maybe wanted it to but there is some good stuff in there i really do think you know anthony hopkins is great and that uh you know grandfather grandson relationship is great and it's worth seeing even just for that um for sure and then you get the other stuff and again the social commentary all that stuff is is fine i just um i think it's just kind of very surface level so yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that, and 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 it, it th- there is that like where you're seeing the template now a little bit more, where you know the coming of age movie, even like before Roma with Boyhood, like the idea of like establishing kind of the family dynamic, but then also kind of looking at how someone moves from that and takes the lessons that they learned or you know, the, the, the morals and, and, and ethics of, of growing up 
you know, in, in, a, in a household and applying that to the real world and, you know, taking the advice that, for example, the grandfather gives in, 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 in one really beautiful moment where, you know, you have to be an ally and stick up for those in need. Um, and especially how upfront and blatant the racism and homophobia and anti-Semitism is in a private school of all places, you know, yeah. like the idea that these are going to be, you know, the future leaders in, in industry and in politics and, and, and a Trump tells you that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's like, okay, well again, you know, maybe 1980 wasn't as great as you think about as, even though you're a child, you know, you think about then and like what you especially if you're a white kid, we're able to get away with um, at that point and, and, and situations that you're able to get out of and, and, and feel as though, you know, like you had some sort of complicity with, you know, the, the idea of the system working for you, you know, and, 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 and letting the system work for you where others, it traps and incarcerates. Yeah. Um, and so like that, I think, Again, it feels like Ray is trying to work something out in his own way, therapeutically even, where it's like, you know, what was my role as a sixth grader in, in all of this and trying to figure out who I wanted to be, um, you know, moving forward and the type of person I wanted to be moving forward. And I think it leaves you in an interesting place where it doesn't feel like the character, you know, has evolved in a way that I think some other movies, some more Hollywood films might do it where it's like, Oh, they really have become someone else. I think right. they learned from this and they, it's more yeah. gradual, right? Like I think you start to learn over time how to behave or what's fair or what's unfair. And after a while you start to realize, okay, maybe I want to distance myself from, you know, this type of sort of, way or, or behavior and 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 i'm starting to see it for what it really is and and again like i like that as well because i feel like that's where the nuance does come into play where it's not like you know the end of the movie's like i learned something today it's like no it's like it's something i'm gonna have to keep working on and that's i'm fair. sure gray's still working on it you no, know, i'm like sure in, yeah more you know, where, where in he this, is yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you want to touch on? You didn't go really in depth with the, how the Anthony Hopkins, but I guess that gets into kind of spoilery. It's, it's spoiler territory. territory, but I will say this, like, there, like again, the, there's even just like a line where Hopkins says, uh, or calls, uh, uh, Paul Jellybean and mm -hmm. my grandfather and my mom Call always called yeah. me Jellybean or, yeah. you know what I mean? Jellybean. And it's yeah. like that stuff, like, again, really connected in a way that I yeah. felt like, oh, I, I. I see that in, yeah. in, in my own grandfather, in my own life. And like, that's yeah. the thing where I can truly totally man. empathize with, with, with James Gray as, as, as a filmmaker and as, as a person. And, you know, like, I, again, like, I think if you have somebody that is like that in your life, especially when it is a, a, a grandfather, you know, you, you always, you can always confide in that person. There's always something where when you're talking to a parent that it's not as easy to, I think there's something about being like kind one of, step removed kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause the grandparent is less, uh, is less of the one that's going to tell you right or wrong. They're going to listen to you and you're going to listen to them. And I think there's even some moments that are really haunting where, you know, Hopkins's character tells, 
uh, Repetta about, you know, his grandmother fleeing the Ukraine and and, and heading over to to uh, England, Ellis Island, and and then yeah, and then coming over to to America and like how that, you know, haunts Paul and like he's having trouble sleeping in one moment and um. Yeah, it's it's also its pacing and its structure, I think, is also kind of interesting because the private school stuff doesn't come in until like halfway through the movie, like in terms of him making that, you know, jump into or being integrated into that that society or that that type. So half of the movie is spent like with the public school system and looking at like the problems that public schools have where it's like, you know, too many kids, not enough teachers, not enough time to really educate somebody. And like, that's also, I think being very critical of, you know, institutions that are letting kids down or slip through the cracks as well a little bit. And again, it comes to down to privilege and who, you know, and the contacts you have in life to kind of get you ahead and who benefits from that and who doesn't and, and who, you know, is going to get a leg up in life and, and all the, these things are being contemplated and discussed in a way that feels like it's both, I feel bad for benefiting from it, but also we need to look at this and see like, okay, we let down generations even before we got to Trump being elected president, you know, because totally it was mean. always there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give the movie a three out of five. Um, you know, Mixed positive, I would say, on my end. I still think uh, it's worth seeing, um, but maybe spread it out from seeing some of these other autobiographical kind of director's uh, childhood movies. Um, Don't see them compiled into like we just came off tiff seeing after sun and the fablemans and and stuff like that and all these other movies that i referenced but uh it's definitely still worth seeing so three out of five for me yeah i'm gonna give it a four out of five because again i think the story of the 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 grandfather grandson hit me on an emotional level i like the stuff that it's echoing with the social commentary of the time but also how it's not so different from what we're living in in the present it's just different people replacing the role of figureheads and and how you know uh white privilege and guilt and these things kind of all come into play so i think it does um have a lot to say i don't know if it completely lands the mark but i think it does so in a way that is worth watching totally uh you guys can check out our other reviews that we have up right now you guys can check out our reviews uh for what would after sun yeah which we just mentioned Uh, the fablemans uh which is another uh autobiography as well uh glass onion uh we have uh plenty of tiff reviews uh still in the works i mean we just recorded another one with uh, the good nurse so you know that's it's, it's still coming fast and furious with those with those tiff reviews but we also have stuff for you know movies that are now playing uh in wide release like Like black adam black adam halloween ends uh amsterdam tar rosalind uh, werewolf by night don't worry darling so we've covered all the kind of big films from the last uh you know month or so so go check those out over on the reviews channel all those tiff reviews that eric mentioned are still up on the channel um the most recent episodes of the untitled movie podcast uh we uh 
we have a Black Adam spoiler cast you guys should be able to check out. Uh, Eric and I saw The Rock in person at a Black Adam event here uh, in Toronto. So that was a, and a fun story about that screening. Not a fun story, a miserable <laughs> experience that we had at that screening. So yeah. a fun story, I guess. Go, just go check that out. Um, Will that be in our own adaptation of an autobiography? Of our, yeah, probably. Mine's just going to be bad cinematic experiences that i've had um just completely depressing and cynical and um we also talked about the super mario brothers movie <laughs> in episode 134 last of us in 133 there's a tiff wrap up in 132 so go check out all of the episodes of the untitled movie podcast uh one-stop shop for everything head over to letterboxd uh, at untitled underscore movies you can find the rest on youtube and podcast services everywhere and follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchant. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. And I don't want to miss a thing, even when I close my eyes. You going to cut me off or what?